Hello there, Bill. Good evening, Bill. Hello, Bill. It's your good friend, Scott. This is Chris Young. Hello, Bill. This is your friend, Renee Locker. Harry here. It's after midnight. I just wanted to leave a message as to how much I'm enjoying your podcast. I just want to say congratulations, and these are fantastic. Enjoy, George. I'm about three episodes in at the moment. Night uh, podcast. I spend a lot of time driving at night down back roads. I've always found my place in the darkness. Really enjoyed it. I still find it just as comforting. Ultimately, the darkness is always coming for you, and it's even there during the day in your shadow. You can't run from it, so you might as well just embrace it. Thank you so much, sir. I'm looking forward to your next show. Good night, Bill. Good night. Good night. Dragon Slayer Audio. Good evening. This is Bill Oberst, Jr. Welcome to the Moonlit Library. There's a fog around the library tonight. A mist. Lying low. Hugging the outer stone walls of this ancient place. Mist is seeping under the heavy oak door at the entrance. The door we keep barred to the outside world. Not barred to you. There's a place for you here tonight, a safe and a restful place. Come, oh come ye greatly maligned, come ye walking wounded, come ye one-eyed, one-legged, many-hearted misfits of a full moon night, come limping, come halting, come hopping, come creeping, come you beautiful monsters. You who fear not the setting of the sun, this library is for you, and you are most welcome. What a strange family we are. Hmm? Obscure volumes in a place of obscure volumes. Brothers, sisters, all. People of the night, People of the book. You've made the old library keeper very happy with your kind response to this little broadcast. Thank you. Nineteen countries listening now. We welcome Australia, Israel, and Bulgaria to the family tonight. And you've been leaving voice messages at speakpipe.com slash Jr. I love hearing your voices talking about the stories. I really loved the metaphors in this. And I myself thought that uh, Markheim was speaking to the devil himself. That was just my perception of it. I believe in the devil, just like I believe in God. Two real forces in the world, one for good, one for evil. Talking about the show. I really feel like it's evolving into... Something that reminds me of the old Mike Kellogg late-night radio shows. I spend a lot of time driving at night down back roads and uh, being kept company by his voice. And, and I always felt like he was talking directly to me. And I get kind of the same feeling from yours, except in a more gothic fashion. Talking about the night. It's Monique from Sacred Potential. I've come to a place where... 
I like the dark. I think spiritually there are times one can go into darkness that are just as scary as times of going into darkness physically. But I just really love the dark. I like being able to see the stars. I like the fact that you can only see the stars when it's dark. And I think the same is true spiritually. I've always found my place in the darkness. And let me tell you why. The darkness is always coming for you. And it's even there during the day in your shadow. You can't run from it. So you might as well just embrace it. We're talking about your night. Good evening, Bill. Harry here. It's after midnight. More please. <laughs> More please. A weird little tribe is being formed here in this strange old place, in this strange new time. Won't you let us hear your voice? How you doing? What's it like where you are in this great wide world? And what do you think is to become of us after all this? From anywhere on planet Earth, anywhere there's Wi-Fi, you can leave a quick, free voice message. Speakpipe.com slash Bill Obers Jr. This old library is full of whispers and dust. Won't you add your whisper before we're all dust? I thank you. I have for you tonight a Poe Boy sandwich. Three pieces of Poe pressed together. So, wherever you are right now, whatever you're doing right now, find your place of rest. And be very still, very quiet in your body. Be very comfortable in your body. It's yours. And it's good. <laughs> if I can say that. Believe me, you can. Here's the first slice of our po' boy sandwich. From childhood's hour, I have not been as others were. I have not seen as others saw. I could not bring my passions up from the common spring, nor my sorrows. I could not awaken my heart to joy at the common tone, and all I loved I loved alone. Then, in my childhood, in the dawn of a most stormy life, was drawn from every depth of good and ill the mystery which binds me still. From the torrent or the fountain, from the red cliff of the mountain, from the sun that round me rolled in its autumn tint of gold, from the lightning in the sky as it passed me flying by, from the thunder and the storm and the cloud that took the form when the rest of heaven was blue, of a demon in my view. The Imp of the Perverse In the consideration of the faculties and the impulses of the human soul, we have failed to make room for a propensity for perversity. I speak 
of the overwhelming tendency to do wrong for wrong's sake. It admits to no analysis. It is elementary. And with certain minds, under certain conditions, you will find it absolutely irresistible. To wit, we have a task before us which must be speedily performed, yes? And we know that it will be ruinous to make delay. The most important crisis of our life calls with a trumpet, calls for immediate energy and action. We glow. We are consumed with eagerness to commence the work. We are consumed with the anticipation of the glorious result. Oh, our whole souls are on fire. Yes, yes, the work must be undertaken today. The work shall be undertaken today. We shall begin now. And yet, we put it off until tomorrow. And why? <laughs> there is no answer, except that we feel perverse. And tomorrow arrives, and with it, an even more impatient anxiety to do the work. But with this very increase of anxiety arrives also a nameless, fearless, unfathomable craving for further delay. And the craving gathers strength as the moments fly. The last hour for action is now at hand. Oh, God, we tremble with the violence of the conflict within us, the battle of substance and shadow. But if the contest has proceeded thus far, it is the shadow which prevails, and we struggle in vain. The clock strikes, the bell tolls, and it is the death knell of our welfare. At the same time, the tolling of that death bell dismisses the imp of the perverse. <laughs> and the imp flies and disappears, and we are free, and the old energy returns. Yes, yes, now we will act. Now we will labor. Now the thing shall be done. But alas, it is too late. The imp has had his way. <laughs> To wit, we stand upon the edge of a precipice, a cliff. We peer into the abyss below. We grow sick and dizzy. Our first impulse, our strong impulse, is to step back from the edge. Unaccountably, we remain. By slow degrees, our sickness and dizziness and horror looking over the edge become merged in a cloud of unnameable feeling. And by imperceptible gradations, this cloud assumes shape, as did the vapor from the bottle in the Arabian Nights. But out of this, our cloud upon the edge of a cliff, our mist there grows a shape far more terrible than any genie or demon of a tale, and yet it is only a thought, although a fearful one. A mere thought, a thought which chills the very marrow of our bones with the fierceness of the delight of its horror. It is merely this, the, the mere idea of what would be our sensations during a fall. 
from such a height. And this thought, this fall, this annihilation, for the very reason that it involves the most ghastly and loathsome of all the most ghastly and loathsome images of death and suffering which have ever presented themselves to our imagination, for this very reason, we now cannot dismiss the thought and we vividly desire to ruminate upon it. Our reason violently deters us step away from the brink. And because our reason violently deters us away from the brink, therefore do we the more impetuously walk towards the edge we approach it. There is no passion in nature so demonically impatient as that of one who, shuddering upon the edge of a precipice, meditates a plunge. I warn you that to indulge for a moment in any attempted thought to such a moment is to be inevitably lost, for reflection will urge us to step back, and therefore the imp will not allow it. We cannot, and so thought becomes our enemy, and if there be no friendly arm to check us, or if we fail in the sudden effort to hurl ourselves backward from the abyss, we plunge, and we are destroyed to the delight of the imp. Examine these actions as you will, and you will find them resulting solely from a spirit of the perverse. We perpetrate these acts because we feel that we should not. Oh, God, the horror of it. Bear with me. I have said much. I have said much, but I have said this much that in some measure I may answer your question, hmm? that I may explain to you why I am here, and, and that I may say something that hints at the cause of you finding me wearing these chains, and, and for my occupying the cell of the condemned. <laughs> Had I not been this lengthy, you might have misunderstood me altogether, or with the others you might have fancied me mad. I am not mad. You see, you do see, I see that you see, you perceive, yes? <laughs> I am but one of the many uncounted victims of the imp of the perverse. It is impossible that any deed could have been wrought with a more thorough deliberation than mine. For weeks, for months, I pondered upon the means of the murder. I rejected a thousand schemes because their accomplishment involved a chance of detection. At length, in my reading, I found an account of a nearly fatal illness that occurred to a certain lady by means of a candle which had been accidentally poisoned. <laughs> well, the idea struck my fancy at once. I knew my victim's habit of reading in bed. I knew, too, that his apartment was narrow and poorly ventilated. I need not vex you with the details. I need not describe to you the easy artifice by which I substituted in his bedroom candle stand a wax light of my own making for the one I found there. Suffice it to say this, the next morning he who I hated was discovered dead in his bed. And the coroner's verdict, oh, the coroner's verdict was sublime. Death by the visitation of God. <laughs> Indeed, all went well for me for many years, many years. 
The idea of detection never once entered my brain. Of the remains of the fatal candle, I carefully disposed. I left no shadow of a clue by which it would be possible to convict or even to suspect me of the crime. I cannot tell you how rich a sentiment of satisfaction arose in my bosom as I reflected upon my security, my absolute security. <laughs> For a very, very long period of time, I was accustomed to revel in this sentiment. It accorded me great delight. But at length, at long length, the pleasurable feeling within grew by tiny and scarcely perceptible gradations grew into a haunting thought, a harassing thought. It harassed because it haunted. I could scarcely get rid of it for an instant. Have you ever been plagued with a ringing in your ears or of your memories of some song, hmm? a bit of some unimpressive music from a, a concert or an opera. <laughs> I know that you have. It, it's quite a common thing to be so tormented by a common song, nor is it the less tormenting if the song is good. Well, in the same manner, at length, I began to catch myself pondering upon my security and repeating again and again and again in a very low undertone, repeating the phrase, I'm safe. I'm safe, I'm safe, I am safe, I am s And one day, while sauntering along the streets, I stopped myself in the act of my habitual murmuring, I am safe, and in a fit of petulant perversity, I reshaped my customary syllables into new words. And now, oh God, now they were, I am safe, I am safe. I am safe if I be not fool enough to make an open confession. I am safe. I am safe. I am safe if I be not fool enough to make an open confession. Oh, God. No sooner had I spoken these words than I felt an icy chill creep to my heart. I have had some experience in these fits of perversity, whose nature I have been at some trouble to explain to you. And I remembered well that in no instance had I successfully resisted their attacks once they begun, and they had begun, God, my own casual self-suggestion that I might possibly be fool enough to confess the murder of which I had been guilty. It confronted me. <laughs> you see, it, it confronted me, as if the very ghost of him who I had murdered was standing before me and beckoning me on to death. Oh, yes, I made an effort to shake off this nightmare of the soul. God, yes, I made the effort. I began to walk vigorously, faster, still faster, but still the voice murmured louder, slightly louder, I am safe, I am safe, I am safe, unless I be fool enough to make a confession. I am safe, I am safe, I am safe, unless I be fool enough. At length I began to run. I felt a maddening desire to shriek aloud. I did shriek aloud. Every succeeding wave of thought overwhelmed me with new terror. I well understood, too well understood, that to think in my situation was to be lost. I told myself, do not think, do not think. I am safe, I am safe. I quickened my pace. 
I bounded like a madman through the crowded streets, and at length people in the thoroughfare took notice of me. Someone sounded the alarm, and I was pursued. I felt then the consummation of my fate. I am safe, I am safe, I am safe, and let's say, God, could I have torn out my tongue, I would have done it. But a rough voice resounded in my ears, and a rougher grasp seized me by the shoulder, and I gasped for breath. I experienced all the pangs of suffocation. I, I became blind and, and deaf and giddy, and then some invisible fiend, I thought, struck me with his broad palm upon the back. And the long-imprisoned secret burst forth from my soul. They say I spoke with a distinct enunciation, with marked emphasis and in a passionate hurry, as if in dread of interruption before concluding the brief sentences that consigned me to the gallows and to hell. Having related all that was necessary for the fullest judicial conviction, I fell upon the street in a swoon and awoke here in this cell with you. Listen, the imp tears at the walls. The imp comes through the cracks in the door. The imp shall rule you. The imp rules me. The imp shall rule us all. There is no hope, you see. A single thought is enough. One impulse is enough. You cannot deny it. Impulse increases to wish. Wish increases to desire. Desire increases to uncontrollable longing. And then the longing must be satisfied. Why should I say more? Hmm? <laughs> I will say no more. Words are for you, dear friend. I have no further need of them. Today I wear these chains, and I am here. But tomorrow the imp shall set me free. I shall wear no chains, and the imp shall take me where? Oh, God, where? The bell tolls. Listen, you hear the bell. Iron bells in the silence of the night. How we shiver with affright at the melancholy meaning of their tone. For every sound that floats from the rust within their throats is a groan. And the people, ah, the people, they that dwell up in the steeple all alone, and who tolling, tolling, tolling in that muffled monotone feel a Glory and so rolling on the human heart a stone. They are neither man nor woman. They are neither brute nor human. They are ghouls. And their king it is who tolls. And he rolls, 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 rolls a dirge from the bells. And his merry bosom swells. And he dances. And he yells, keeping time, time, time in a sort of runic rhyme to the sobbing of the bells, to the throbbing of the bells, 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 to the moaning and the groaning of the bells.
What do you think? What do you think of Poe's summation of human nature? The imp of the perverse. Have you ever felt it? Do you believe it? Well, why don't you let those questions be a part of your dreams? Leave me a message if you'd like. But it's time to put the books back on the shelf now. Your eyelids are getting heavy. Heavier. Heaviest. And the mist is curling now, not around this ancient library, but around you in your place of rest. A sweet mist. A mist of dreams. I remember an old poem from Carl Sandburg. Sandberg said, I wrote a poem about the mist, and a woman asked me what I meant by it. I thought that I meant the beauty of the mist, how pearl and gray of the mist mix and reel and change these drab shanties with their lighted lamps at evening into points of mystery, quivering with color. But when the woman asked me what I meant by it, I answered, the whole world was missed once, long ago, and someday it will all go back to mist. Our skulls and lungs are more water than bone and tissue. So all poets love dust and mist, because all the last answers go running back to dust and missed. Thank you for this time. Sleep well. Quiet now. And remember, it's always midnight somewhere. And in someone's soul. Good night.